Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Well, that might help you understand that there may be some responsibility that you can take. There may be some sin that needs to be confessed and forsaken. There may be a chance for you to essentially celebrate. Why you? Because God says, you are the man. You are the woman. You are the boy. You are the girl for this hour. You are made for this. So step up. And then why now? Now is the best time because God works not only in the future and he's worked in the past, but he isn't ever present God, not just present God, but present. So you can ask those questions of God, but then listen with a humble, teachable, engaging heart when you do. So we seek God with all of our hearts and pursue him over all sorts of popularity. Which brings us to number three. If you'll now look at verse eight, it says, and it came, and it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent, which means um, he would go out frequently may have gone out without any particular schedule, whenever it was, whenever he went out to that tent, that all the people would arise and they would stand, each at the entrance of his tent. And they would gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Remember, the people went to the tent. Moses went in the tent. Well, as I pondered this passage here, I got thinking again. First of all, it probably was born on the fact that the children of Israel already knew that they were getting their clock cleaned from the Lord, where the Lord was saying, I don't want to be, eh, you go by yourself kind of a thing. Take off all that jewelry that you're wearing right now. You get off, take off that ornament. You ever wonder why he might have said that? I think I know why. Because it was often those ornaments that they had, and they had plenty of them, like you women have a lot of jewelry, and you men do too. They took some of that jewelry and it was from that jewelry that they made the golden calf. And they probably kept some jewelry for themselves. And so now the Lord says, get rid of all your jewelry at this point. I don't want no temptation. And so they got their clock cleaned at that time. And so when they saw Moses go out there, whenever they did, they knew that Moses was going to represent them to God as he did, if you'll read the whole context. And they also knew that Moses would represent God to them. So he would take them to God and they would take God, he would take God back down to them. So they would all stand, probably in um, humility, maybe some guilt, a whole lot of respect, perhaps some uncertainty of what's going to happen now. A bunch died already because they worshipped this golden calf and they disobeyed God and they rebelled against him. And so they're all standing and they're all gazing at Moses as he does all of this. So number three is expect to be watched by others. Expect to be watched by others when you do. You know, I find that um, as people would know that uh, you're wanting to have a deeper walk with God and an engagement with the Lord, and you're being serious about that, they want to really know, are you really being serious? Are you, are you doing the talky-talky part and not the walky-walky part? And so they're looking at the talky-talky part, but they're watching the walky-walky part. And the walky-walky part is that you're actually different because you've been with God and they're watching you. Now, I'm going to tell you that we who are in leadership of any kind, and whether you're secular or sacred or whatever leadership style you have, you already, you signed up for it. You, you, if you own a company, you signed up to have the employees look at you. Just be prepared. I signed up for it when I became a pastor. 
and everybody watches everything that I have. Now you could, you could have the attitude, I hate living in a goldfish bowl. I hate that pe- everywhere you go, people are watching. You've got to watch it. Gotta- Let me tell you something, folks. You ought to say to the whole world, you go ahead and you watch me. If you want to see Christ, you watch me. I'm not Christ, but if you want to see the closest that I could be now to Christ, I'm going to be all that I can be. You watch me. You want to be in the, in the goldfish bowl. And so that's what they're doing. They're gazing at him. They're analyzing him, examining him, dissecting him perhaps. They studied him. They inspected him to discover, is this really the real, is he the real deal? Now let me move that away from the pastoral role because that's pretty given. But let me talk to you as a mom or a dad or a single parent or maybe in a relationship with someone else as a single. I don't know. But what I would do to your family is I would tell them that you're going to your tent of meeting. And when you tell them that you're going to go to your tent of meeting, wherever that is, you let them know that at that time, no, they don't have to stand up and gaze. But at that time, they didn't follow Moses. They let Moses go there. And maybe you'll tell them, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to ask you if you will please leave me alone with God. Because the closer to God, the more I understand Him and the principles for my life that I can live, the better person I'm going to be for you. For you. So while I'm there, let me have that time with God. In fact, you pray that I will not miss one principle, one prompting, one conviction that God would have for me at that time so that I won't miss that wonderful piece of spiritual help. You pray for me, and you do that. Now let me speak to some of you as you go into your tent of meeting, and you know that people are going to be watching you, and your kids are going to be watching you. Then when you're there, with everything that you have, like Moses, you learn everything for yourself, because you have to be strong. But while you're strong for you, it's so that your progress will be known to all that you could teach them. Last Thursday night, I don't have permission to share this, but last Thursday night I was having dinner, Carol and I were having dinner with someone, and they wanted to show me pictures on their iPhone. It was only two pictures they showed me. One was a picture of this man's wife, mother of their children, in this kind of lazy boy chair, not kicked back, sleeping, not kicked back, watching the TV shows. She's in this lazy boy chair. You could hardly see the silhouette because the window was light behind her in the morning with her open Bible. He said, I want to show you that picture. And then you know how you do in the iPhone, you, you kind of slide a thing over, you know, and, 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 you, and you flipped it over and, and she, her Bible wasn't open anymore. Her Bible was clasped closed and she was like this, praying. That was her tent of meeting. That was her intimacy with God for the moment. That was her engagement with this, I talk to God prayer, He talks to me through the Word thing going on. Now, would you like to know what she was doing? She was talking to God about her children and grandchildren. The wise husband and papa and grandpa took those two pictures, made copies of them, put them in a little bifold picture frame, and gave it to all the grandkids so they could see Mama praying. That's the tent of meeting and engagement. Folks, I pray with all of our hearts that we, wherever we are, we would find the time and the place. No, 
make the time and the place for us to have that where that we would be there knowing that people might be watching. Uh, let me end with the fourth one here, but I want to read through the scripture. I'm going to take you to another special passage. All right, let's go back here. Verse 9 says, Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. I like that. When all the people saw the pillar of the t- cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. That's a lesson in there, folks. Perhaps just while you're worshiping at your tent, the people who know you best that know you're doing that, they too will follow your example. Write that in your margin. Follow my example. It's interesting. I don't read in this passage anywhere where Moses stood up on top of a huge rock by the tent and said, Hear ye, hear ye. You all find your tent of meeting and you go there and you now pray. No, he just did this. He just did this. This is what we call modeling. This is not what we call mentoring. He modeled this. And it goes on to say, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Some of you that know scripture, you're saying, "Uh uh-oh, contradiction. The Bible says no man looked upon the Lord could live. So there's a contradiction here. He's face to face. There's no contradiction in this. When he stood and he faced God face to face, that's a language that we could say, I was face to face with a bear, face to face with a problem. I was face to face in this situation. He was not looking on the God of all glory, all power, the Shekinah glory, face to face. It would be a way to say, They were in each other's presence, totally focused on each other, like face to face. And if that's not enough for you, we know that Moses was a special, specially hand-picked servant by God to do a special once-in-eternity event of leading the children of Israel through direct contact with God to allow some form of connection with one another with some kind of shield that would keep him from seeing God and then exploding in flames or dying in some measure. God protected him from doing that. So there is no contradiction. The point I want you to make, though, I want to make for you is this, is that they were so connected to each other. It was as if they were face to face. The last point is not found in chapter 33. It's found in chapter 34. Why don't you flip over to chapter 34 for a moment? Often, not every time, but often when Moses was with God, there was such a change in his life, his his, his countenance, that people would see that he was with God even if they didn't see him go to God. When he came back from God, there was a change. So number four is anticipate that when you have this kind of engagement with the Lord, we will be changed. Anticipate that we will be changed. Let me read this. And I don't want you to think that this is what our change will look like. This is what the change looked like for Moses, though. Beginning at verse 28, it says, 34, So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. That's when he went back up again because he threw the rocks, the uh, tablets down. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came about when Moses was coming down from the Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand as he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because 
of his speaking with him or with God. Now, you might be asking, how in the world does this uh, happen? I'm going to try to give it to you a little bit psychological here for a moment. I believe it's biblical, but I want you to see the, um, the connection. And then I want to show you how it happens perhaps in real life. When we are engaged with the Lord properly, there is this, when I use the word repentance now, I'm using the word repent to mean change of thinking, change of mind. So when I go to my tent of meeting, and I am now fully focused upon the Lord, separated, seeking God wholeheartedly, knowing that people are out there maybe watching me, I am coming to the Lord, and I, watch this, I want my thinking and His thinking to be identical. When I read Psalms, I want to have the attitude of the psalmist on every one of these points. When enemies are coming, when I'm being afflicted, when I feel like I'm dying emotionally, whatever. Whatever I feel like, I want to do this right with God so that I can think the way God wants me to think. Okay, when I read Proverbs and it tells me about wise people and foolish people, lazy people and diligent people, I want to behave like Proverbs tells me to behave. To do that, I've got to change my attitude. I've got to change my thinking. So I come to the Lord and I want to come to Him saying, Lord, I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. I want your ways to be my ways. So now my thinking changes. Watch this. When my thinking properly changes, not where I do sin management changing, my attitude changes. There's something that goes on, and I'll explain that in just a moment, but there's an attitudinal change. I don't like to use the word feelings, but maybe a little bit with that, but it's an attitude. But now, it, it, it moves beyond that because if it's an authentic change of thinking and we really write before God, we now experience this attitude. It has to come out in our behavior. So often we emphasize a behavioral change hoping that's going to get us over here. And that doesn't often be the case. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't use behavior because it says commit your ways to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. I realize that. But it also says that the man thinks in his heart. So is he. So it comes back this way. I said all that, now let me try to make some practical situations. Those that are engaging with the Lord, they're going to meet the Lord. They're going to come properly with Him. Here's what happens. If you go to the Lord somber, feeling like everything is wrong in your life, nothing goes right. If it rains soup, all you'd have is a fork. Nothing happens for you. You go to the Lord and you engage Him at that time. You will walk away joyful. The Lord will take away that somberness. If you walk into the Lord fearful and anxious and worried about what's going to happen with my health, my finance, my relationship, my future, my career, my school, what's going to happen? I'm I'm anxious about all of this. You will walk away with a tremendous amount of peace and settledness to know that God is not only sovereign, but He's a loving God who's sovereign. And everything He does is well, and we leave the results up to Him. And whatever He gives us, that's okay, because we've still got heaven. And maybe you're going to come to the Lord with a lot of silliness. You know, you come kind of flippant with God. Yeah, he's my buddy. He's my friend. And we kind of go to the Lord. It's a cutesy thing to do. And I got all my little cutesy toys around me to try to connect to the Lord. And I kind of do it. And oh, well, let's all do it together at camp. If you really engage God, that silliness will stop. But you'll become sober. And sober doesn't mean you don't have the joy. It just means that at that particular time, there's a sobriety about life that it takes away from the silliness and it gives you a settleness. Some of you, you go to the Lord and you feel like, I'm so weak. I can't, I can't pull this off on the job. I, I just, I'm going to be a mother. I, I, I don't know if I can be a mother. I, I see so many kids that are in rebellion and I came from such a bad, bad background. I, I'm so, you go to your tent of meeting. You go to the Lord. 
you pour your heart onto him. He will take away that fear and he will give you the spirit of confidence. Not self-confidence, but confidence in God that's now put inside of you to live for him. So now, to bring this to a close, the question is, where do I begin with all of this? Well, a lot of people will say, find a chair, find a tree, get a Bible. I would like to say, no, that's not where you begin. Where you begin is to make sure that you and God have no walls between you. That there is nothing between you and God. That, there's, that, that you're not an enemy of God. That you are his child because when we go to him, I don't just say, oh, father. I say, oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. And we can't ever do that until we know that we have been born again into his forever family. So your first step is to say to him, Lord, I want you so badly. I want to know you. I want you to operate in my life and I want to, I want to enter into the, I want to get to know you the right way. I, don't, I want to see you through you, not through other people and how they project you. I want to know, but Lord, I'm such a sinner. And I know now that Jesus is the Savior. And he's the Savior because he's the Lord who went to the cross and died and rose again. And I'm placing my faith in him, in him alone. When you talk to God about Jesus, you're talking to Jesus too about God. And Jesus says, he that believes on me has right now everlasting life. I'll forgive you of all sin once and for all. Just trust me. You do the behaving part afterwards to say thank you maybe for what I've done, but you don't do the behaving part before. You don't do the behaving part to get this thing. You don't do the behaving part to keep this thing. That's afterwards. But you've got to do the believing part. And it's not how much faith you have. It's who you have it in, Jesus Christ. That's your first step. Now, once you've done that, now you have the spiritual capacity to engage God because that sin wall has been paid for and removed. Whatever sin you do now, that's gone when you confess it. That's out of there. That's easy. That's easy to clean up. You're in his family. So now, that's where the engagement takes the next step. First is, you come to him as a sinner who needs a savior, who can't save yourself by your deeds, but by faith alone in him, you have eternal life. The next step after that, you got the principles. Figure out how to make the practice of it work in your life so you can engage him and be intimate with God. Let's pray, shall we? When we meet God, our life changes from the inside out. So your first step to the Lord right now is to the Lord. And you come to him as a sinner, as I am, as we all are, knowing that no good deed we do ourselves will ever get the forgiveness of sin. And we come to him so broken, so humble, so needy, but also so trusting. We trust him at his word when he says, if you place your faith in me, you will have everlasting life. So would you do that? Maybe say this, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know that there's no good deed that I do will get me into heaven. I know it's not by works of righteousness which I've done, but it's according to your mercy, you'll take me into your forever family. You'll forgive me. You'll wash me. There's no better time than to do it right now. This room is your maybe first tent of meeting. Would you trust Christ as your forever Savior right now? Please do it. A hiker slipped. 
on Olamana this week. One who rescued others as an off-duty fireman. Physically, he's dead. He didn't know that when he got up to put on his hiking shoes. I don't want to scare you, but I want to let you know the reality of it all, though. Please place your faith in Christ. Now, if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you, but I want you to know standing up, walking an aisle, me praying for you, filling out a card, none of those things will get you into heaven. It's trusting Christ. Now, I'd like to pray for you just because, hey, you're my brother, you're my sister in the Lord now. Wouldn't you like to have a pastor just take a moment to pray for you? Now, when I do, I'm not going to describe you in my prayer, embarrass you, but you'll kind of know that I'm praying for you. And the Lord will definitely know that I am because he loves you. He's watching this moment. He's listening right now. He knows this moment. So is there anyone here with heads bowed and eyes closed that's ready to make that eternal decision? You now are in the tent of meeting. You're engaged with the Lord. He's done his part. He's told you that. He spoke to you. Now you're going to do your part and you're going to call upon him to be your forever savior. If that's the case, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And when you do that, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and you're silently by that letting me know that you're trusting Christ. So is there anyone in here today that's ready to engage God for all eternity by placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the full forgiveness of sin? Would you slip up your hand if today's the day you're doing that? Anyone at all? Put it up so I can see it real high. Thank you, my friend. Anyone else? All right, the rest of us in here, is this just another usual Sunday morning message and you tuck it away in the back of your Bible, pull it out if your Bible gets too thick with notes? Are you going to let God use today to engage himself into your life? Will you now purpose in your life Whenever it is that you will go outside the camp, free from distraction, you'll be alone with the Lord. You will seek Him with your whole heart. You know that people are going to be watching you and you're going to say, that's okay. I do this not to be watched, but I know that I am. So while that's happening, I want them to pray for me as I will pray like that dear woman did for her family. And then finally, expect that your life will do so change, people will see it for the glory of God. How many of you would like to have prayer because this became today a reminder of something to return to or a defining moment of something to do to engage the Lord so you'd be more intimate as we move forward in this year? If that's the case, would you slip up your hand? God bless you, God bless you. I, I, I want you to pray for me. There's always things going on in my life, always things going on in Carol's life. We're no different. And I'm going to pray for you. I take the directory of the church with me. Many of you give prayer requests to me when I go out of town and I pray privately for you. Together, I want us to discover more and more about the Lord. I don't want to have just a touchy-feely intimacy with God. I want to know Him so I can serve Him, live for Him, stand with Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth. So let's do that together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they were trusting you as their Savior. I pray that they talk to you in prayer, not a stilted now and lay me down to sleep speech, but a real conversation with the God of the universe, the eternal I am God, like a child would to a father. 
I pray that they would get a Bible and read it and see that it's not a book to take away our fun, but it's a book of principles to tell us how to have the greatest life, that uh, thriving life we're going to hear about at our winter Bible conference in these perilous times. Help us, Father, to engage with other believers like us so together we'll grow. And then, Father, help us to let other people know that you are altogether lovely and that we love you so much for what you've done. We want them to know you. Thank you for those that are indicating that through this message today that they are going to engage you in an intimate way. Taking some of these examples from the life of Moses and maybe incorporating that into our own life as nothing more than little pieces of structure to the bigger thing of being intimate and alone with you and an authentic conversation to become like you. Now, Father, we love you now, and we do look forward to your very soon return. In your name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,